welcome to the third episode of 10th Region Weekly 2022-23 season. Alongside me is Evan Dennison. And Evan, uh, you know, another exciting week in the 10th Region. We had a lot of big action this week. And, uh, you know, we talked about in week one and two how, you know, week three and four would kind of give us some headway and jockeying a position in the 10th among teams. And I think this week here, we saw several teams make a few steps forward and I think we saw a couple teams maybe take a couple steps back, but no need to panic just yet. You know, it's still early in the season. Coaches, players are still trying to uh, figure things out about themselves. But, uh, you know, it was just one of those weeks where if you're a basketball fan and you enjoy high school basketball, then you should have been in heaven this week. Yeah, and it's only going to ramp up the next couple weeks because you got to think of holiday tournaments. And to me, that's one of my favorite times of, of the basketball season. And, getting your your out of region matchups you got teams maybe going across the state or playing in big tournaments in in bigger cities and you know you see some really good matchups you know over these next couple weeks and I think we got kind of like a appetizer this this past week and weekend right and uh you know you made a good point there with the holiday tournaments coming up and kind of reminds me you know kind of around Thanksgiving with the NCAA you know you get all those you know Maui or you know, all those different tournaments where all these teams are playing teams that they normally don't see or play. And um, it's like those uh, you got those seventh place games on on noon of Christmas week. <laughs> There's like 12 people in the gym. I'm just telling you, man, if you're a basketball fan like I am, I've watched those seventh place yeah. games because oh, I've, I've covered quite a few of those. Trust me. <laughs> I love those, uh, you know, and I just try to keep in mind that you, even though it's a seventh place game, you know, those kids are out there busting their hind end too and, you know, <laughs> trying their hardest. But we might as well start at the top. Um, Clark County had a big week this week, but you know, the thing about Clark County that I think, um, a lot of people don't realize is, you know, they were tested this week and I think they, uh, their first test, they passed Madison central who I got to watch a little bit of at the Murph classic yesterday. I didn't get to see the too much of it cause I wanted to get back to watch the nine tenth challenge, which we'll talk about, but you know, the first test of the year with Clark County and they seem to have passed it with flying colors. Yeah, exactly. You know, they uh, took care of Madison Central on Tuesday. Um, it was a tight game, but, you know, they were comfortably up five to seven pretty much throughout. They ended up winning by nine. And then yesterday against Ashland Blazer in the Boyd County Round Ball Classic, they beat them by 13. But that I think that score was not really indicative of kind of how it went. I mean, they were comfortably up around 20 for the majority of that one. And I think Ashland kind of made a little bit of a late push. But um, – you know, two wins against two top 10 to 15 teams this week, and they extend their winning streak to 35 straight. So I believe they're now seven off of the state record that was uh, set by Ashland back in, like, it's an it's an old record. I mean, I'm talking, like, 1927 ballpark. I'm going to put you on the spot here because I know you'll know. Who was the last team to beat GRC? Uh, it was that team in South Carolina. Dorman, Dorman. That's right. I remember yeah. that now. We talked about that. I remember. Was that at one of the tournaments in Louisville, though? Yeah, that was the. Uh, I believe that was the king or the king of the blue blasts or the Lexington cat. Let me double check here. I think it was one in Louisville, actually. Yeah, the king of the bluegrass, and that was like a nationally ranked team at the time. So, so you know, they're going to get tested, though. I mean, that's that winning streak is 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 going to be put up to the test here. You know, they got. Looks like just one game this week, and then they start uh, the King of the Bluegrass again 
and Louisville on Saturday. So they'll have Harrison County on Tuesday. And, you know, the Thoroughbreds are playing really good right now. Not, not, I'm not calling an upset, but. I well, I think uh, that, I was going to say, I think that game will tell us more about Harrison County than it will about right. GRC. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, uh, so you're looking at almost a full year since um, Coach Cook's Cardinals have lost the lost a game. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, the state record is uh, 44, set by Ashland in the 1927-28 season. 44 straight games. And they're just now three off of Brewers, not the Milwaukee Brewers, but Brewers in 1948. I don't even know they where that is. In a row. I'm pretty sure they won the state championship that year, if if I'm correct. Maybe, maybe I don't even Brewers. know who who or what Brewers is. I'm pretty sure it's over in Western Kentucky. Okay. Well, that, that may be, be why. That could be a but... good uh, trivia question for our uh, listeners out there. Let us know where Brewers was and what year they won the state title. I'm pretty sure I just gave you the hint on that, but. Let's see if someone texts you or email you this week because that way we know if people are listening, I guess. Well, I, yeah, because I would like to know, and if somebody else will do the research for me or they already know it, that's even better. But let's uh, – something about GRC. If they are going to set the record, let's talk about what they have to do. You know, after Harrison County coming up, they'll have four games at the King of the Bluegrass. Then they have three games after in South Carolina or Myrtle Beach at the Beach Ball Classic. And then if I remember correctly, or if I've counted correctly, you know, the ninth game could potentially be Great Crossing, who is a top 10 team in the state. Or, you know, I know they lost one early or whatever, maybe not a top 10, but they're they're receiving state recognition. So that would tie it, the nine, right? Nine or nine more. And then they'd be able to do it at home against Perry County Central on January 7th, a rematch of the first round of the Sweet 16 last year. Well, I'm just going to go on the record and say, and I'm not trying to jinx or put a hex on Coach uh, Cook and his Cardinals, but if they get to that point, they've earned it with the schedule they've got coming up. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, that's going to be seven games where it's it's going to be, you know, some of your either top teams in the state or some top teams, you know, in, in other states when they go down to Myrtle Beach and play in that post-Christmas tournament. Man, 35 straight games. I think it takes me about five seasons to win 35 games total. So, you know, to me, that's impressive. So, congratulations to Coach Cook and his Cardinals. Also want to give a shout-out. I can't. I think it was this past week that uh, senior Sam Parrish also eclipsed his 1,000-point plateau um, for Clark County. So, congratulations to Sam uh, Parrish for that milestone because, you know, this day and age, you know, that 1,000-point plateau is, you know, something that, should be and is recognized. Absolutely. I mean, he's he's tough, man. He's And what I like about, you know, Sam is, and I think we've talked about this, and I don't want to, you know, go off on, you know, an individual player this much, but, you know, he does it on both ends of the floor as well. You know, not one that just plays offense, but also, you know, lockdown defender on the defensive end. And um, did Drone Morton – did Drone also score his thousand this week or was that last week? Last week we touched base how he scored two thousand and it broke the uh, he's the all time leading scorer at the school. Okay, didn't want to leave him out because I knew we talked about it. But um, all right, moving on and um, you know we'll probably get to mention a little bit of the 
at least our top 10 or 11 teams in the region. But uh, the Mike Murphy Classic is an event that Mason County's done an exceptional job of putting together and not also putting it together, but attracting some of the top teams from around the state to um, come and give us, you know, 10th region basketball junkies uh, a chance to see, like, for example, Ballard, Madison Central yesterday. Um, really nice teams. And then, um, you know, years past, they've also had strong fields as well. But, you know, Mike Murphy and all he's done for Mason County throughout the years is, you know, this this little one-day event is a great way to uh, recognize him and everything he's done for Mason County. And, you know, once again this year, the Murph Classic was another phenomenal event. Yeah, it looked like five games. Um, that's the only unfortunate part of it. Not, I mean, only one or two of them were within single digits. Looks like there were some blowouts, but you know, it looked like a good day of ball. And um, you know, Mason County did some some special things in the night, recognizing their 2003 and 2008 teams, and they uh, also, you know. Recognized Tony Sumo Sap, who had you know passed away a couple months ago, and he had done so much for for the program, both boys and girls there, and keeping records and stats in the book. And his wife Vicky and his son Adam, you know they've they've been a big part of that program for years. And I mean, you got to think throughout the year throughout the year, man. Like most of those scorekeepers and people, you know, keeping the book and stuff, you know, they're not getting paid, so. You know, those those are three people that don't really have like a kid in the program currently. So, you know, and you just kind of you just kind of took the words out of my mouth. Um, You know, when I you know, in the 10th region coach association, we recognize contributors in our Hall of Fame. And but when you think of a Hall of Fame contributor, Tony Sapp is who should come to your mind. You know, he keeps the book. He's kept the book for years. Not only has he kept the stats for Mason County, but for all area teams, he's put together books and done stat inserts to keep those books up to date. And, you know, for Augusta, Bracken County, Deming slash Robertson County, you know, he does this and doesn't really even, you know, have a player or a kid currently in any program or whatever. So, you know, when you think of a Hall of Fame contributor, you think of people like Tony Sapp and all the all the things he's done behind the scenes for the program. Absolutely. You know, just a, a great man. I'm glad, you know, they were able to find a special night to recognize and remember him and his life and, you know, what he uh, meant to the school and the community and the program. So, uh, you know, it looked like a nice touch. They made a plaque for his for his wife and um, just looked like a good time all around. Well, and, you know, you mentioned that it's um, kind of five games, but out of those five, you know, the really only competitive one, well, I mean, Augusta Russell, 55-47 was the final, but, uh, you know, Augusta led by double digits most of that game. Russell made a um, a charge late that, you know, put it under 10 points, but um, the Madison Central-Ballard game was a 10-point game, but... Um, it was tight. I mean, I think that one was, you know, four and, between like four and six there at some point, you know, either late in the third or early fourth, and then... You know, Ballard just kind of pulled away. And I think them having Gabe Sis back makes them a serious threat in the seventh region. I agree. I mean, and, you know, one of those players who, you know, an individual player that's so good. And I think, you know, he has he, has he committed to play for Louisville already? Sisk, I'm not 100% on that. I know, you know, he had went off to prep school. I don't know if it was in, like, California or somewhere. And 
you know, he ended up coming back and he just rejoined the team, I think, within the last couple of weeks. So, okay. But you know, with the Mike Murph classic, it was the it was a good day for the tenth region teams. Yeah. Um the majority of them won. Um it uh, looks like one and oh, two and oh, three and one, you know, with right and being the only loss. And I got to see a little bit of the Nicholas County Ripley game. I think, you know, Nicholas County played Augusta tight, you know, yeah, recently. And dispa- uh, dismissed Ripley pretty quick for a uh, 30-point victory. But, you know, I watched them against Augusta, and I was impressed with what Coach Wrights is doing. Those boys played super hard. They played together. They played smart. Um, you know, in that Augusta game, it was a four-point game, I think, late in the fourth, and Nicholas had a couple possessions to uh, maybe even get a little bit closer that they didn't cash in on. But, uh, you yeah, know. I mean, you dig deeper into that. I mean, it, it's to me it's impressive they stayed that tight because they shot – 36% from the field and hit three of 19 from three. So, yeah, but, but on the other end, go look at Augusta and see what they shot from three. I think they were one of 19. Oh, really? So, I mean, that, you know, but, but still, night, huh? Right. And yeah, they it were was one co- of 19. You're right. It was cold in the Panthers' den. And, which but, is rare. Um, That's usually a good shooting gym. People love shooting there. But, you know, where we've talked about it before in the, in the 38th district, you know, I think from what I've seen of Harrison County this week, you know, they looked really good yesterday against Boone County. Um, they beat a Brossard team who I thought was one of the hotter teams in the region to start the season. They went to Brossard and beat them pretty handedly. But I think I've seen enough from Harrison County to say that, you know, they're probably the the front runner to be the number one in that district. But right now I would say that Nicholas County's probably looking at a number two, you know. And I think this season right here has kind of been a culmination of what Coach Wrights has been working towards at Nicholas County since he took the job. I think he's finally starting to see his vision of the kind of team he wants to coach and how he wants to play. I think his team this year is that team. Yeah, I mean, I I think they're the clear favorite in that district. And, you know, I think my question would be is who's going to challenge or compete with them um, come, come tourney time. And, I mean, I still had them fourth in the rankings, so I just couldn't jump them over Bracken yet. And I I know Bracken lost, and we'll get to that one later, but it was, a you know, I guess what you call a good loss. And But I have Harrison fourth, you know, in the region. I think they're a strong four, and Campbell's right there. I mean, that's that's one thing with this region, not to keep jumping around on everybody, but these top six teams in this region are, like, solid. And then you got another one or two that – have played really tight games against those top six. So I just think the 10th this year is a little bit more, a little bit more competitive than what we saw last year. Right. And, um, you know, the, the kind of the headlining game at the Mike Murph, Mike Murph classic that involved a 10th region team was the Mason Fleming game. And I'd seen Fleming County play at Pendleton in the last couple of weeks. And <laughs> Fleming County was impressive. They looked really good. So I, I kind of thought Fleming County would hang with Mason County for, you know, a half, maybe a little bit into the third. And, you know, Mason County's, you know, depth, everything may take over because I think the one thing Fleming County lacks is depth. But um, I don't know if that was ever a game, man. I know I turned it on early and Mason County had a substantial lead. And it's just like, if that's the Mason County team we're going to see all year, it's going to be a fun team to follow. Yeah, it's impressive considering – you know, two or three of those rotation guys didn't get into the mix until 
two days before the season even started with football lasting so long. And, you know, this week, I mean, it wasn't even competitive. I mean, they beat Bourbon by 39. And I think that was like a 31 to four or 27 to four game after the first quarter, something out of hand. And then um, on Saturday night, they, they, they took care of business against Fleming County who has some, you know, really nice pieces. Um, It's just, I think their issue there is depth, but you know, what Mason's doing is it looks like, you know, until they have their own tournament, the Mason County Invitational Tournament, they've got Holmes and Scott this week. So, you know, Holmes is struggling this year. They're kind of in rebuild mode with a new coach. Scott's off to a little bit of a slower start, albeit a tough schedule. You know, you could easily see them being 6-0 and going into their own tournament where they start with Greenwood and some really good teams uh, in that field too. So that's another one to watch and – I think, you know, they're they're making a strong push, you know, for for that top spot. I don't you know, it's, it's not fair to put them over Clark by any means, but I think they're starting to build their case for it. Um, Well, and to be honest, you know, I was looking at the stats for the game and, you know, they put together a very impressive performance all the way around. Shot 63 percent from field, 44 uh, percent from three. And their weakest part was they only shot 46% from the free throw line and still win 92-63, you know. Uh, but the one thing, um, Terrell Henry, um, I've seen this week that he's got a few offers in football, and congratulations to that young man because he excels on the field and on the court. You know, but like you said, not really – I don't even know if he's really in basketball game shape yet. But, you know, he scored 28 on Saturday, and – the thing that impressed me the most was, um, and I don't know if you saw, but the uh, kind of the Fieldhouse Crazies do their little 84-feet segment on Twitter, which I enjoy watching, and they asked, you know, Terrell who they thought was the best player on the team, and he said Riley Mastin. And, you know, that's a pretty um, pretty uh, big compliment to Riley that, you know, somebody with the talent of a Terrell Henry thinks that highly of you. Yeah, and shout-out to Riley. He scored his 1,000th career point the other night. and. Um... Don't want to skip over Wyatt Clark. He was able to do it too against Calvary Christian the other night too. So. Right. I, yeah, I didn't. I actually didn't know about Riley. So congratulations to Riley. But I had Wyatt, mm-hmm. Wyatt down. Wyatt and Sam were the two that I knew. Um, but yeah, gradu- was- congratulations to Riley Maston. And I think he's uh he's got off to a fast start for the Royals and seems to be fitting in nicely. Yeah, with him, he's he's really transitioned his game from, you know, maybe that mid range out to even more, you know, and, and to the three point line. And he's a threat out there and that opens things up even more for them. You know, people thought, you know, when he came over from Augusta, like, Oh, it might slow them down. It might not be their type of pace or play, but he seems to be fitting in just fine. <laughs> well, and, and, they're and so I think like the way they've been doing it, you know, they've been putting three or four guys nightly in the double figure scoring column. Um, so but I also think that the uh, last time I saw Riley in person, I think it was uh, obvious how his body's transformed. And, you know, that's hats off to him to working hard, whether it be in the weight room or where to kind of transition his body to where I think he can play that fast pace and get up and down the floor. We know Mason County likes to press and likes to bring that heat, you know, four quarters. And, you know, I think uh, Riley's done a good job of, putting himself in a position to succeed. And and we all know Coach Kirk and how good of a job he does. And, you know, we know when he's got those pieces, he's going to put those kids in position to succeed on the offensive and defensive end. And it seems to be right now that's been a, a good match for the for both the program and Riley. 
Yeah. Like I said, I, I kind of see them getting to six and oh, heading into their holiday tournament. And they win those three, then hey, you know, they head down to the Lexington Catholic holiday tournament, you know, thinking big. And we all know who's who's that first matchup on December twenty seventh. So um And we've already and we've already talked about uh you know, Lexington Catholic and how strategic that first round game was. And, you know, that may uh, prep spend better, uh, increase their bandwidth. And Lexington Catholic may want to wheel in some uh, bleachers off the football field because um, there's going to be a lot of people tuning into that. But with that, you know, that's a good segue into Bracken County. Um, that That is Mason County's December 27th opponent, for those of you that are unaware, um, at Lexington Catholic. And Bracken County had a, um, I think, a good week. Um, started off with um, two. I think they had two two good tests this week, and I think they handled it well. Uh, you know, I watched the Montgomery County game at Bracken. Um, going into the game, I really expected Bracken County to win um, double digits. After seeing that, you know, Montgomery County beat Paris by ten, which we talked about. You know, that game being the first time those two teams had battled since the district. But I kind of had in my mind that Bracken County would eventually kind of pull away in that game. But what I didn't know was just how lengthy Montgomery County is. Several spots, they made it really tough for Bracken County to get shots off over top of. You know, Luke Fonz is six seven. Um, I don't think we saw Luke Fon's best game against Bracken County, but, you know, several of their players are really long that gave Bracken County, you know, Bracken County don't have much size. And I think the length really caused Bracken County some problems. And, you know, late in the game, Montgomery gets a steal down two and has a chance to tie the game to potentially force overtime. And I think either missed a four shot or turned it over, but, you know, that game was in, down to the wire. And I think that says a lot about Montgomery County and the job that, you know, Coach Bentley's doing and how fast that team's improving. Yeah, that, that made me feel comfortable with putting them six in, in my rankings for the 10th region media rankings. Um, a solid show in there. That, you know, you lose by two on the road to a top three team in the region, and I don't think that's, you know, a bad loss by any means, and especially when you have a chance late uh, to win it. But how about this stat line from Caden Reed in that game? 11 points, 14 rebounds, eight assists, and four steals. Um, I've heard several people that don't even cover or follow the 10th region on social media. You know, several journalists or whatever have mentioned that he could potentially be the best point guard in that class. And um, I would be okay saying that. You know, I don't get to see every point guard in his class in the state of Kentucky. But if you watch Caden enough, you know that he can control the game offensively, defensively. You know, he's undersized on the defensive end a lot of nights, but he battles and competes. He's got some of the quickest hands of any guard that I've seen in a long time. And just his decision-making at the point guard position is just fun to watch. He's a competitor, and um, I can just tell you, some, somebody's going to be happy to receive Caden on their in their program a couple years down the road. And um and had an equally impressive game against Covington Catholic on Saturday night. And that's what I was going to say. Uh, you know, Cuff Cath, you know, hats off to Coach Reed and Coach Fisher and um, putting together the – and Will Jones and all they've done to put together that ninth, tenth challenge there. But, um, you know, we talked about how Mason County has been able to um, attract some of the uh, top talent or teams across the state for the Murph Classic. Um, Bracken County did equally as good a job this year. and getting Cuff Cath to travel down the double A and um, 
come to Bracken County as well as, um, you know, Montgomery County, one of the top teams on the girls' side, you know, played Highlands or no Dixie Heights, one of the top girls' teams in the ninth. And um, so, you know, they put together an impressive field as well. And, you know, as a coach, I was fortunate enough to be a part of it yesterday. You know, we played Boone County the first game of the day and, you know, they did the very hospitable. So, you know, hats off to them. But let's talk about that Bracken County Cuff Calf game. And, um, you know, I think the story going into that game was Mr. Basketball candidate Evan Ipsaro and, you know, Blake Reed, kind of two really great individual players. And um, I don't think either one of them really disappointed. I think both of them had their moments in the game, but it's just it was a very fun game to watch. Both teams competed on both ends of the floor. And, you know, you're familiar with Bracken County. I'm familiar with Bracken County. You know, how they compete on both ends of the floor, playing only six or seven guys. And, you know, it's just – it attributes to how successful they've been. You know, it's really a big part of, you know, the program and what Coach Reed's teaching over there. And they they played hard to the final horn yesterday. Yeah, I mean – a tough challenge and one that they're not afraid to take on. And I, I thought uh, they, they they kept it in there and just I thought Cove Calf was a little too much in the second half. And Ipsaro's third quarter was just something to watch because I'd watched that one on, on prep spin. And, you know, he he had scored, I think it was seven or nine straight points. And, you know, at, at that time you felt like it kind of took life out of the game because it extended their lead up to about 16 or 17. And, he did it in a variety of ways, and I think that's what's most impressive about Sorrow is just the way he can pull up in the paint for a mid-range and just not be out of control. And you know, he had thirty-three and ten that night, and did it on fourteen to twenty-four shooting. So it was a, a, impressive from him. And you know, like I'd mentioned, I thought Caden Reed had a really good game. It was eight to twelve or eight to thirteen from the field. Had twenty-one. Blake Blake Reed had twenty-three on, on fifteen shots. So. They were there. I mean, I think they have to feel good about themselves after that one and considering that they didn't have Deshaun Commodore either. So, you know, it's it's a loss. And I don't I don't think they're really fond on moral victories like kind of what I had seen all around social media afterwards. So they wanted to win the game, you know. They don't they don't care that they only lost by nine to Covcath. I mean, they they wanted to win. So Well, um, and I was going to touch base with, you know, kind of piggyback on the Ipsaro. You know, when you talked about how he can score in a variety of ways, you know, first of all, you know, he, he plays under control. He plays off two feet, great body control. Very rarely do you see him get a charge. Um, he'll jump stop, pull straight up, shoot over top of you in the paint. But it's almost like he's a running back going full speed downhill. He can get to the rim. He finishes with contact, strong. But, you know, I'm glad you touched on – um, the moral victory thing, because I saw on Twitter and Facebook both about how people, you know, it was like, oh, that's just like a win for Bracken County. They only lost by nine to a top five team in the state. Well, here's what I can tell you about Coach Adam Reed, because I've known him for a long time. He don't buy into the moral victory thing. Like you said, when those two teams took the floor last night, Coach Reed and his guys expected to win. They didn't hope they could win. They didn't think they could win. They expected to win. And, and I think that's one thing that Coach Reed's brought to the program here the last few years is just his expectations. And, you know, you can tell they're not into moral victories by the schedule that they're playing. Very tough yeah. schedule. Um, Come Friday and, night, there'll be another one for them. They host Ashland. So that'll give them and, another chance to to take on a top probably 10, 15 team in the state. And is that at Bracken? Yeah, Friday night, 730. I would probably pick Bracken County to win that game, just saying. Um, but, you know, 
we know that fans get excited on social media and, you know, their comments they are allowed to uh, post their comments and sound off, but uh, nobody in the Bratton County program going from coach Reed, coach Brangers, coach King, all the way down to the players, you know, is into moral victories. They see the bigger picture. They see the bigger prize, what they're going to take from that game are lessons that can help them reach their goals of possibly winning a district tournament and getting to Rupp Arena. And Coach Adams talked about that several times. So um, I'm glad you mentioned the moral victories because um, I don't think Coach Reed's into those. Yeah. And then the day after Ashley, they get Augusta. So <laughs> they get, uh, you know, a top 15 team and or maybe, <laughs> maybe even top 10. Actually, the first AP poll come out tomorrow. Not that that one carries – more weight over than anyone, but that's when I get to vote in, and I don't. I, I'll have to look. I don't. I don't know if I'd have Ashton in my top ten right now, but they're definitely a, a receiving votes candidate, which would put them in the top fifteen or so. And well, I'm gonna go on the record and say that Bracken County defeats them at Bracken County. But um, it is. I, we heard it. We heard it here, folks. Yeah, all the Bryan County people who said I always picked against them last year. I'm changing my tune, and you yeah. know, if 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 I start picking them to win, they start losing, then I'll start picking against them again. Um, but I'll I will be curious say, to see how they respond. Like, let's say they do win that one Friday night, and then boom, our tribal Saturday. You know, comes. I think. But I think Coach Reed's, you know, built that culture to where they want all the smoke. You know. They'll right. play five games in a row against the top five teams in the state. I don't think they care who they yeah, play. But you know, you know how tough of an ass that is, though. You let's say you're feeling all high and mighty about yourselves after winning a game, and then boom, less than 24 hours later, you're back on the court. You know, that's that's not an easy thing to do for anybody. Absolutely, it's not. And uh, and we know in that rivalry there that strange things happen. You know, yeah. um, but you know I will say this about the Ashland. Um, you know, they had a coaching change late, um, and then, you know, they, they it may take them a while to figure things out. I know you said they may not be in your top ten, you know, right now, but they have a really nice player in Xander Carter. So, if people get the opportunity to go out and watch that Bracken-Ashton game, uh, you know, you see him with Blake and Caden out there, that may be worth the price of admission. You know, he's a really nice player, and I think he's received some D1 offers already this year. So, and I think he only may be a sophomore, junior, not sure, maybe a junior this year. Yeah, I want to um, say he's a junior now, but I know when I played against them a couple years ago, he was a freshman. Yeah, but so I couldn't remember. Right. So I he's probably a junior, junior unless he took the, the COVID year or whatever. So my guess. All right, is which um keep on moving down the list. You know, we've talked about Harrison County already. We mentioned, you know, where we feel like they've, you know, kind of uh one thing about them is and I, I want to get your take on this too, is just like when you see teams early on, like really ramp it up defensively, you know, and because offense is, is it's going to take time, I think, to really get in the flow and feel like you're at your peak. But I think defense is something where you can always be at your best. You know, maybe you're still trying to figure out rotations and what type of um, man or zone you run. But for them to start off and they've allowed more than 60 just once in their first five games. And four, three of those five have been forty-seven under fifty. So I, I think, you know, that that's what impresses me early on about teams. It's just how well they defend. If if you're holding teams, and it's it's not like they're playing, you know. Are you talking about Harrison County? Yeah, it's not like they're playing down on their competition either. I mean, they they allowed fifty-three to Ryle, 
They gave up 64 to Central Harden, 39 to East Jess, 44 to Brossard, who had been scoring like 80 at night, and then beat Boone County 60 to 47, which tells me they're locked in on the defensive end. And I, I, that's what impresses me the most early on about them. Well, um, I will tell you this. Um, I watched them yesterday. Um, and one of the things that stuck out to me about Harrison County was their defense. Um, big Will Furnish in the middle. Um, regardless of, you know, him on the offensive end, he is, you know, which he has improved greatly on the offensive end, mind you. But um, his length and his size, and J.D. Kendall's about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and really long. Um, Caden Custard and uh, I think their other guard is um, – they, they start the smiley kid, and then there's another guard. Is there a Harris, maybe? Yeah, Elijah Harris. Yeah, Elijah Harris. Those three guards apply a lot of ball pressure, and there were multiple times yesterday Boone County had trouble get, even getting into sets because of how far the guards would push them out. And um, their, their defense was really solid, and, you know, they limited Boone County to a lot of one-shot possessions which, you know, if you if you a lot of one shot possessions is going to keep your scoring down because you're not giving them a chance to get a second shot or to take that second shot and make it a free throw opportunity. So um, Harrison County was impressive yesterday. I'm like you. I, I think they solidified their spot at four in the region. And um, with the way they've played defensively and, you know, I think what really opened my eyes is, and we talked about it last week, was them going to Bishop Russell this week. We said that game would tell us a lot, and it did tell us a lot about Harrison County and how good they are. And not only that, but Brossard, who'd been averaging 80-plus points a game, they hold them to 44. Um, I think Terrence Brooks yeah. has a my really bad. nice – I didn't mean to get you off – I didn't mean to get you off topic. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. But Yeah, I just, I just wanted to throw that in there on them. But it's true. I mean, but the one thing coaches say, and you've probably heard this, is you know, defense travels. And if you're gonna hold teams in the 40s, you got you can win a lot of basketball games at the high school level. I would like to think with their offensive production, if they can hold teams, you know, low 60s, they're gonna win some games. And um, like you said, we're not ready to have them jump Bracken County or Mason County just yet. But I think they've solidified where they're at at number four. And Coach Terrence Brooks has a a nice start to the season. Yeah, 100%. Campbell County. I remember early on in the Stay Hot podcast, I brought up the fact, should people in Alexandria or 10th Region fans be worried that Campbell County started 0-2, and you said absolutely not. I think they've proven you to be right once again. Evan Dennison Nostradamus. Was right. And, you know, Campbell County this week, you look at what, you know, Newport beat Augusta by 15 early on and Newport beat Scott pretty handily this week. And then um, Campbell County beats Newport, I think, 20 plus. Yeah, by 21. And then they beat Newport Central Catholic by 27. So impressive week for them. Really impressive. And we know and you know, we've talked about it multiple times already about Eric Russell and how games in early December, a loss here and there isn't a big deal. But, you know, they've bounced back well this week. And um, I think the win over NCC is a pretty solid win considering, you know, the 27-point margin. But, you know, coming up this week, they've got another tough schedule. And, you know, Highlands, which I know this isn't Sam Vincent's Highlands, but 
still a pretty nice team. And then they got that uh, 27 matchup with District and uh, Bishop Brossom. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one on Friday. That Because the way that that district's set up is it's huge. It's only one game each against each opponent. So, you know. You well, speaking of, uh, speaking of Highlands, you know, I know they're in the ninth region, but they're currently 5-0. and And in their five games, they've scored 102, 85, 82, 88, 91. Oh, they let it fly, man. And they've played Tate's Creek, St. Henry, J-Town, Scott, Boone County. I mean, yeah, they, they let it fly. They shoot like 30-something threes a game, too. Well, they're hitting a lot of threes right now. We're going to call them the uh, KHSAA version of Grinnell. Yeah. I know they ain't fired up 111 threes in a game yet, but give them, give them a chance. They might. Um, yeah, I saw that box score this week. I thought it was phenomenal. I think the uh, in that district, I think that story, you know, I think once again, you're looking at, and it's a very competitive, but I think right now Campbell is the number one in that district. But I think it's going to be fun to watch Scott and Brosser battle that out for the uh, two and three and see who gets there. Yeah, for sure. I, I, had, um, Brosser, I had Brosser. I'm kind of giving away my top ten. I know we do it later, but figured I'd foreshadow it a little bit. And I, I know I have Brosser seventh and – I kept Scott at nine. Just, I need to see uh, see a win, you know, from from them. That you know, I think that would. I think they got a good week coming up. You know, an opportunity at Mason County on Friday, and they play at Paris on Wednesday. So, um, and then Walton Verona looks like tomorrow. So, three uh, three road tests for them this week, and an opportunity for them to 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 pick up a couple big wins and. You know, keep moving forward. I think they're without Nolan Hunter right now. He was he was injured. I know last night against Newport, and uh, they're they're hoping to maybe get him back uh, rather quickly. He's only played in one game so far. So, and Nolan Hunter has. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. I mean, I know him and How are from formidable duo, but I wasn't aware that he's only played one game, which that may explain to me some of the maybe some of their scores. Yeah. All right, the uh, Augusta Panthers this week. Uh, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, they went two and zero with wins over Nicholas County and Russell. Um, I don't know if there's a game in there in between Nicholas County and Russell or not. Um, no, just those two. Um, yeah. When we talked about how both teams, Nicholas and Augusta, survived cold shooting nights, Augusta was one of nineteen from three, and you know as well as I do that you know when you got Connor Snap and. LJ Connor and Kylan Henson, one of 19 for three for the Panthers is rare. Um, they didn't really shoot the ball real well, I thought, uh, yesterday against Russell in the Murph Classic either. I mean, only scored 55 points, but their defense was good enough to win 55-47. And um, Connor Snap played really well yesterday on both ends of the floor. Kylan Henson, I thought, was more of a – more of, um, I guess, more effective on the defensive end yesterday than the offensive end. Had several blocks. Um LJ Connor was LJ, made some nice moves, nice shots. But the thing that Augusta did was um, I thought Augusta's decision-making down the stretch was uh, a little suspect. I know there were a couple of possessions when they were up double figures with under a minute to go. Augusta shot three-pointers and missed. They gave uh, Russell opportunity to score, and they did cash in. And then there's another possession where I think Augusta drove to the basket among two or three defenders looking to draw a foul. Referee doesn't call it, so it looks like a forced possession. And and Russell, I think, scored again, which got it down to like that 
seven, eight point mark. And that's where it finished. But uh, I know coach Henson talked about it after the game. We discussed, or we just mentioned it with each other and um, decision-making down the stretch is something that you can work on and you can fix. It's still early, but um, you know, Augusta looks like they're going to be one of those teams who's ready to compete in that district. And that district's going to be pretty competitive right now. I think Mason and Bracken are above Augusta. But I think on any one given night, I think Augusta could beat either one of those teams if, you know, I think Augusta's good enough to challenge both of those on one night. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just the way I'm thinking. Solid week for the Panthers. I mean, they're uh, four and one now. Um, two, two, two decent wins with Nicholas County and Russell. And, um, you know, it looks like they get uh, Boone County and Bracken County this week, like we had kind of already mentioned. So, yeah, Connor Snap with a really good week. I'm pretty sure he led them in scoring on on both occasions. Him and him and uh, LJ Connor both had 18 against Nicholas, and then I know Connor was the player of the game yesterday. Had 15 points. So, you know, if he if he's getting them, you know, 12, 15 a night, I think that even make makes them even more dangerous when you consider LJ's ability to be able to you know pour it in around 20 points a game and. Kylan, you know, if, if he can increase his production just a little bit more. He had he had 11 against Nicholas, and I think he had like 8 or 10 against um, Russell yesterday. So I bet getting, he had. You know, nice, nice little additions from, you know, Will Kelch and, you know, Chan Connor and Keaton Bach and Nolan Young. Those guys are chipping in a couple points here and there. So I, I think prior to years past, Jason Henson seems a little bit more comfortable um, going, you know, maybe eight deep or so or – Prior years, it was max six or seven. Um, so, you know, I think that trust he's having in his bench is, is helping make them a little bit more dangerous too. That's a very good point. Very good point because there was a lot of nights that, you know, I've seen Coach Henson play six guys and stick with those six guys throughout it all. So, yeah, he seems to be subbing a little bit more freely. And those guys that he's putting in is earning his trust because they're playing well. You know, I've seen uh, Augusta play a couple games, and Chan Connor's able to knock down threes. Keaton Bach is an exceptional shooter. Nolan Young is scoring and, you know, defending. And he'll even go to Noah Nelson some off the bench and um, to give some spot minutes here or there. But, uh, you know, I think Coach Henson is trusting his bench a little bit more, and I think um, that's only going to help Augusta in the, in the future. Closer to postseason, but um, I think the game I want to end on here, and you know, we can uh, we could talk about things all day long, tenth region basketball because we both love it. But uh, that Bourbon Paris game this week um was one of those games, and I have to give a shout out to the Paris superintendent Stephen McCauley because he'd gone live, and um, Paris was up one, I think, with like five seconds to go, and um, on the free throw makes it I think I think he makes it and they take it out of bounds and make a couple sideline passes and the kid hits a desperation three for Bourbon County to win the game and and co and uh Stephen McCauley just stands there and lets it play. You know, and I'm thinking as a superintendent of Paris, I think I would have shut that thing off quick, but you know, hats off to him and you know, respect for doing that because I know he, he handled it better than some of the people I saw rush the floor did. And but you know that's a heated rivalry and you know just, you know, two teams are in the same county. They're kind of vying for some of the same kids. And um, it was just, you know, from what I could tell, of course, I didn't get to see the whole game, but that final five seconds was all you needed to see. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, and just a, a heck of a shot from Kane Flynn. You know, he was 
contested, had to elevate, and and boom, just drain the triple. And you know, Bourbon County gets gets the battle in their hands. And you know, I don't, I, I'm trying to think the last time. Let's see here, because Paris had, I'm pretty sure it won uh, a few in a row against them. Let's see here. Oh, maybe just one. Bourbon. They kind of been split in the last couple meetings. Because Bourbon had a strong hang stranglehold. I mean, Paris won every matchup from 2013 to 18. It looked like it stretched two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. They won like 14 straight, which, you know, for for that type of rivalry, I'm sure it seems like an eternity. But lately, Bourbon County's won, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of seven of nine now uh, with that buzzer beater on, on Friday. So, you know, rivalries go like that. It's funny how it kind of, you know, goes up and down like that. I mean, we, we all see it with, you know, Louisville and Kentucky, whether it be on baseball or, 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 or basketball or football. And, you know, me being in, like an Ohio State guy, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, it kind of goes like that but you know what a heck of a shot and a heck of a game and you know you love you love seeing stuff like that well and i think that's what makes rivalry so good because the best team in the rivalries don't always win and you know kids are out there playing their guts out playing their hearts out and you know you know heartbreaking for those paris kids you know but shout out to Derek robinson for uh getting that victory for his alma mater, and I think it was his maybe his second second victory as a head coach of the Bourbon County Boys. So that's, yeah, that's one two, that he two and three. Okay, that's one he's always going to remember. And you know, for those out there listening, Coach Robinson was going to join us tonight, but came down ill with the flu. So we're going to make sure we get him on here and get his thoughts. You know, in the near future, um, we're going to get to the point where we start getting coaches from the tenth region on and talk with them. And but um. You know, the, I think the story with this is is something that broke on social media, and you know, this is I think this this story here is um, probably one of the reasons why I like social media. So many negative things on social media these days. This story here was, you know, maybe we don't hear about or witness it if social media doesn't exist. But Paris County coach Sean Ransom, who is just a first class guy, um, went over into Bourbon County's locker room. Him and Coach Robinson are good friends, and. You know, he congratulated Coach Robinson, his team, and even um, I think spoke to the Bourbon County boys after that game. And when you lose a heartbreaker like that, anytime it's tough. But when you lose it to your rival, it's probably a little bit tougher. But, you know, hats off him for, you know, handling it well and going into that locker room and congratulating the team and um, Coach Robinson. And I think that just shows first class, you know, respect between those two programs. Yeah, just, you know, class all around. And, you know, again, I think that's what rivalries are about, too. You know, you, you could you can hate them for 32 minutes, and I completely get that, you know, be just being a, a competitor and an athlete. But, you know, once the game's over, um, it's it's perfectly fine to show gratitude in class and, you know, congratulate uh, whether you win or lose. So um, that's that's awesome to see. And, I, I you know, it's something we, we should hopefully – see more of in the future all around. I mean, a lot of times we, we always want to kind of report on the bad or, you know, see something that broke out, whether it be an altercation or words on social media. But, you know, far too often we don't really get to highlight moments like that. And I think um, that's 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 kind of what it's all about. Right. And 
I think what made it special for me was the fact that it was such a heated rivalry between the two teams. When I say heated, I mean intense and competitive. I don't yeah. mean angry and um, fights and things like that. I mean, it's an intense rivalry between two respected programs and, you know, two programs that are within a mile or two apart. And just to see the coaches act that way, I hope it trickles down to the players and you see kind of the same behavior from the players and fans and maybe other teams catch on and do it as well. But I thought that was a uh, a first-class ending to a, an instant classic, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Just a, a, a great rivalry game and, you know, one that came down on the wire. And that's kind of, you know, like Kane Flynn's going to have that memory in his life for, forever. And so is, are his teammates. And, you know, even the guys on the other end, you'll, you'll sit back 20 years later, you come back for a reunion, be like, man, can you believe that game? And, you know, there's, there's just gotta be a winner and a loser at everything. So. Right. And, um, but you know, that's, uh, I think that game right there maybe epitomizes just why the 10th region so special and why I'm so fortunate to have been a small part of it, you know, on the boys side for a little bit, but just a part of the 10th region in general. And, um, some of the most passionate fans and teams and coaches across the state are in the 10th region. So, um, with that being said, let's, um, talk about our top 10. We both have kind of mentioned a little bit, um, but I'm curious to see how close we are this week, because I think a lot of um, positioning that took place kind of uh, worked itself out. So you want to go first or? Yeah, I think it's my turn this week. All right. Yeah. Not much change for me. Um, it's, it's probably a near identical top six or top five for sure. And then uh, there might be a little bit of switching, but I, I went GRC one, you know, the Cardinals are going to be there until I think somebody even in the region knocks them off. Um, I'd have to, I'll, I'll have this answer next week, but they've won. I mean, however many games in a row it is just in the region too, not overall, but I think their last loss was two or three seasons ago in, in inside region play. So um, it's been a while <laughs> to say the least. I want to say it was Mason County in like 2020. So it's been a while, but they're number one, obviously number two, Mason County. I think they're kind of inching closer to Clark, the way they're playing and meshing together. And Riley Maston looks like he's really being a difference maker and the way they're being able to balance things. Bracken County, number three, I'm not going to penalize them for losing to Covington Catholic. Um, a good win over Montgomery County as well. So, Polar Bears will have another good couple tests this week with with Ashland on Friday and Augusta on Saturday. And got Harrison County staying strong at number four. Uh, considered them maybe moving them up to three, but not quite yet. I need to kind of see uh, an elite win from them to maybe, you know, bounce above Bracken or, you know, when, maybe when they play head-to-head later on in the year. Uh, Campbell County holding strong at five. I, I thought they had a really good bounce-back week and won, won two games impressively. Um, then you go to Montgomery County. Uh, thought thought they battled, you know, really well with Bracken County on the road on Thursday and an impressive showing from them. And that was the only game. Oh, it looks like they beat Paris earlier in the week. They avenged their, um, you know, 40th district tournament loss and beat them by 10. So uh, I got them strong at six. I dropped Broster to seven. Um, but, you know, two – Two teams that I think are tough. I mean, Beachwood's a solid, solid team in the ninth region. Um, you know, they're probably borderline top ten in that region. So maybe a little bit of a head scratcher on the result, but um, 
And then they struggled to compete, you know, against Harrison County. So it was a tough week, but I'll, I'll, I'll still keep them there from the opening week when they went 4-0. Then, uh, you know, Augusta's right there with them at number eight. Two good wins for them this week. Scott at nine, and then I put Nick – I jumped Nicholas County up to number 10. I, I was impressed with um, the competitiveness that they had at Augusta and then um, won two, two games handily after that. So, so there's my top ten with – Bourbon County kind of knocking at the door. We're very, very close this week. Uh, our top five is the same. GRC, Mason, Bracken, Harrison, Campbell. Um, the only thing is, you know, with Harrison County, I also didn't penalize Bracken for their loss. And, you know, I'm not saying keeping them at three is a moral victory because I already told you how I feel about that. But, um, you know, Harrison County, I – I thought the only reason I thought about moving them up was because they went to Brosser and it wasn't the fact that they beat Brosser. It's how bad they beat Brosser. That's a tough place to play. And I thought Brosser coming in four and O or whatever, um, and how Brosser had been playing. I just thought that was a super win, but, um, I also got Montgomery at six. I put Scott at seven. Um, I really like how and Hunter, I didn't realize Hunter was out, but I think once he comes back, um, I think you're going to see that team win some games. Um, I put Augusta at eight. I got Brossard at nine. I think I just, you know, that the loss to Harrison County and the way it happened just kind of stuck out in my mind. Um, and then at 10, I had a tie. I went, I copped out. I, I really like what Bourbon County did this week and that win against Paris in that rivalry. And Nicholas County, I think I put them at a tie for 10. Bourbon and Nicholas, I think, had a tie in my mind. But I think more so to me was with Bourbon County. I just um, – I see some energy from them with uh, Coach Robinson. And just um, – I guess next week will tell if that big win against Paris snowball effects into a couple more wins for their for their team. I don't know who they got this week. But um, for now, I'm putting them in a tie for 10th with Nicholas County. I like it. I like it. What about our uh... – Little coach's corner here. You got some questions? I got a few. I got a qu- I got a question from a, a fan that was tweeted into me that I'm gonna ask you to. I can do it now or I can do it afterwards. You decide. Me first, man. This is my idea. All right. Yeah, I agree. You I'm run this saying. show, man. It's your world. I'm just living in it. Don't be stealing my thunder. We need I still need some music before this segment starts. Coach's corner. I, I don't know. How- I don't know how to do that. You'll have to play it on your phone and hold it up to the speaker or something. I don't know how to just add music into the middle or something. I'm not that talented. Just at the beginning. That's a little I can just do at the beginning because they're two separate files. We need to get uh, Todd Kelch as our podcast uh, engineer. Yeah, I know. Or, or Jeremy Ziegler or somebody. If you guys yeah. are interested for working for free on a Sunday night for the Stay Hot podcast, reach out. Yeah. I might be able to buy you a dinner once a month or something. They're assistant coaches with kids. They got nothing else going on. You know? Right. Yeah. Dads. What do dads do? Anyhow? Moms do all the work. We know that. <laughs> all right. Coach's corner. Um, my question, first question is, uh, it kind of touches back on what I mentioned earlier in the show when you play like a Friday night and then have a Saturday day game. How hard is that? I mean, just. You know, maybe considering the nature, let's say a lot of times it might be because you play a lot of district games on Friday nights. You know, let's say it's one of those games and then boom, Saturday you play a 3 p.m. game on the road in Berea. You know, how 
How difficult is that as a, as a coach? Well, as a coach, it's the part that's hard is motivating your kids that second day um, because, you know, as coaches, we put so much stock now into those district games because those district games allow you to kind of get in position that you want to be in for the district tournament. And if you're playing a game on a Friday night, let's say, you know, for us at Pendleton, if we're playing Harrison County on a Friday night and, you know, those games that have really good atmospheres and are really big games, it kind of takes a lot out of you emotionally. You know, it takes a, a lot out emotionally. And um, then to have to get up at 10 or 11, get on the bus and, you know, drive an hour and a half to play a game at Berea at 3 o'clock. Um, and I think what you're getting at here is kind of what we talked about with, you know, Bracken County with Augusta on that second day next week. And um, you can probably almost guarantee that, you know, teams are going to come out flat that second day. Teams are going to come out maybe unmotivated to play, and you hope that as the game goes along, they get a little bit of energy. But um, I don't know how else to say it other than it's hard. It really is. And um, I can't really cite any specific examples, but um, anytime you play on back-to-back nights and the first night you play as a district opponent, it doesn't really matter who you play that second night. It, you're, you're on an up here ba- uphill battle. And but it's I, but on this hand, the other side is I think I'd much rather play that district game than the first game than being on the second night of a back to back. Yeah, and I mean, you schedule makers know how to do that. You're not you're not going to be playing a lot of times back unless you got like snow outs or something. You're not playing a district game on a Saturday after you played it a night before. I know how no, you do this thing. You don't want to. <laughs> However, there are situations, you know, whereas. You know, you, it's funny how you get it, you know, get start talking to these coaches about scheduling and, you know, the coach you're working with has a date in mind that they want and they're going to try to force you into that date no matter what. We can't play on this date, coach. No, we can't play on that date either, coach. The only date we can really play is this date. And, um, you know, so it's tough sometimes. Sometimes it's out of your control and you can't really help it. But um, but I also know, um, you know, when the district and regional tournament are in February and March, you know, on snow outs, you may have to play back-to-back nights. So if you play a couple during the regular season, you know, I used to try at Robertson and Bracken to play some because I thought it helped prepare us for the All-A. You know, sometimes the All-A, you may have to play back-to-back nights and um, or maybe have to play, you know, two games in one day on a Saturday or something. So you always try to play a few of those, but it's it's hard to get your kids up that second day after the, the first game the night before was a big emotional game. Tough scenario, no doubt. So well, as a matter of fact, though, I think any Saturday, you know, like, for example, I was worried to death about us yesterday because we had to play at 11 a.m. on a Saturday. We weren't allowed to practice Thursday or Friday because of sickness in the building. So they kept us out of the building. And the only reason we were allowed to play is because it was on the road. But um, I was worried about us playing at 11 a.m. You don't know what these kids did the Friday night before. You know, they're kids. They're up doing things. They're They're probably going to bed late. But, you know. Without practice for two days, we sure looked like we'd practice for a week straight leading up. We we played pretty well, but it's just you know they're high school kids. You never know what what to expect. Yeah, I, I know it's a tough scenario, but I just was curious because that's you know we'll see that a lot over the over the season because you know a lot of teams do that Friday Saturday back to back and you know it's it gives you good opportunities to really test your team and and face those moments where maybe come postseason you got to play back to back nights. Um, but 
Uh, here we go. You know, you, you talked about the hospitality at Bracken County and, and what they were able to do there. And, and just tell me your best experience over the years of maybe a tournament that you've gone to or a road game or just your best hospitality experiment where you were just like, man, you know, this is a really top notch tournament or top notch place to come visit. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Well, and this is probably an unfair answer, but 2010, the first time I ever made the Class A state tournament. And of course, you would expect a, a, a tournament on the state level to provide hospitality. But I think the Class A does a really good job of um, treating their teams and their uh, participants. You know, to them, it's like their state tournament. And, you know, we go we walk into a hotel and there's big signs and posters from the hotel that says, you know, congratulations, Brighton County Lady Bears, 10th Region All-A Champs. And they've got um, snacks in your room. They got bags in your room. You get to wear the participation necklace, you know, you know, you because one of the coolest things I used to think at the state tournament when I'd watch was would have to see the players out in the concourse and they have that participation, that badge kind of thing around their necks. But um, and that may be unfair for me to say because it's on the state level. You know, now, was that when it was in Frankfurt or was it? Yeah, at EKU? This is no, this was EKU in 2010. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, we played against Rebecca Greenwell from Owensboro Catholic, who went on to play at Duke. Yeah. Um, she was a freshman and um, beat us on a last second shot, 52 50. Um, and she went on the next night to beat LCA, who was the favorite. Um, on a la- uh, She got a steal at half court and threw it to her teammate underneath the basket for a layup at the buzzer. So, two really good nights for her, but, you know, she was really good. But, yeah, that was at EKU. Um, the one at Frankfurt, I mean, they treated us well as well. But um, I just – maybe I remember the one in 2010 the most because it was my first one and it stuck out to me. Um, but it's just, you know, I guess the feeling of walking into a hotel in Richmond where nobody knows you, but, yeah, you see posters with your team on it and your name and – congratulatory and you know signs on your doors and things like that i just felt like that was an experience that i'll probably never forget that probably most of my players remember as well yeah yeah that, that's that's a good one i mean i i anytime i go to the class today it's seems like it's always a uh you know full-blown great great experience you know from the players to the coaches to the fans to the media all the way down so i, I i've got no complaints anytime i go to the class today. It's it's one of my favorite tournaments to cover so Maybe uh, um, maybe in January I might have a different answer because we're going to Gatlinburg for Christmas break this year. Oh, yeah. So um, we got our bracket the other day, and we play a 6A team out of South Carolina first. And they, I think the only other team in our bracket that's from Kentucky is Pulaski Southwestern. I think they're a top-10 team in the state. And I asked to play in one of the more challenging brackets. They had three different bracket levels, and I want my girls challenged. I want to go down there and play the best and compete against the best. So um, – maybe we'll have a good experience down there and I'll be able to change my mind. But Gatlinburg at Christmas kind of intrigues me. I think we're, I think it's going to be a nice visit. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right. Well, I'll limit it to two since you got one for me and we'll just do it as, as three questions total. Well, I just had somebody reach out to me and kind of, you know, they were kind of put in scenarios about, you know, kind of the characteristics or qualifications you look for in an all region performer. Um, would you rather have an all region performer that, uh, scores 20 points a game or one that may score, you know, 10 points, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, one block. Um, just, you know, I know what my thoughts are on it or whatever, but, you know, what when you vote for an all-state 
or an all-region player, what are some of the things that you take into consideration for that player? It's a good question. I mean, I I, I think I, I put a lot of priority on winning, so I, I'm looking at the top guys on, on the winning teams. Um, I think that's kind of what outweighs a lot of things. You know, if a guy's averaging 14 and 8 and his team is one of the best in the region compared to a guy that's averaging 17 and 5 and they're 5 and 25 – I'm probably going to put priority over the guy that's averaging the 14 and eight. And, you know, is, is one of the key players on a, on a, on a winning team that's trying to take his team to Rupp arena or the region tournament or whatever it is. So um, I try to be balanced, you know, try to be fair. I try to, you know, take, take in consideration, you know, some smaller schools that, you know, may, may not have as much resources or, or talent surrounding um, the players. So, um, I, but I, I think pr- winning takes takes precedence over over a lot of things when it when it comes to me uh, voting on kids. Right. And I think that's kind of the way I look at it, too, is um, and this is the thing that I know the average basketball fan doesn't understand or know or care to understand or know is, you know. If you're scoring 35 points a game on a team that's two and twenty seven that doesn't hold near as much weight to me as averaging 15 points a game on a team that's 35 and two, you know? Um, and also I know a lot of people, you know, when I think um, what most people need to understand too is, you know, just like rankings, all region teams are also subjective based on the person that's calculating that vote or casting that vote, I should say. Um, Cause I know as president of the, um, 10th Region Coach Association, I received everybody's votes. Um, not going to sell anybody out or throw anybody under the bus, but um, when you look at these people's votes, the one thing that was taken into consideration that I that I picked up the most on was, for example, um, I thought Jerome Morton was a really good player and deserved to be player of the year one of the three years that Justin got it. You know, I'm not saying Justin wasn't worthy, but I think Jerome – you know, being Clark County win the regional tournament or whatever, I feel like he deserves some, you know, recognition for player of the year. But if you go look at all the ballots, you'd see some ballots where Jerome wasn't on there. And that just was a head scratcher for me. And then you go back and look, and it's a lot of the teams, like, for example, if a coach didn't play you, they very rarely vote for your kid. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And and I understand that. I understand that. I understand that if the kid's – you know, in that seven through 10 range, because, you know, if you're a coach, for example, say I'm coaching and I play against, say, Nicholas County, and we know how good White Clark is, but let's say Lincoln Morris goes off for 25 against me. I may give Lincoln Morris that vote for ninth or 10th plus best player in the region based on what he did to me. But if, um, let's say I didn't play Harrison County, and let's say, um, uh, not Caden Custer because he would be in there anyhow, but like a J.D. Kendall. Say I don't play Harrison County, but J.D.'s had a really good year. I may not vote for J.D. because he wasn't on my schedule. But I think there's a lot of things to go into, and I know the I know the worst day in my – the worst day ever for me as president of the 10th Region Coaches Association was when the individual player rankings come out. Or when you announce the Hall of Fame class – and people want to know why their kid's not in the Hall of Fame, and they don't understand that, well, the school did not nominate your kid to be voted on. Yeah. You know, and everybody like will tell you. nominate way too many people compared to other schools. So, I right. Mean, like some, Correct. And, 
you know, and some people on the the other side of it is, you know, with the player rank, they will sit there and tell you um, player rankings don't mean nothing. They don't mean nothing. Don't even look at them. But in the, in the next breath, they get pissed off when their kid is not ranked. Yeah. You know, think, you know the coaches one is tough because I feel like a lot of them kind of – it's like under-the-table handshakes and, hey, you vote for mine and I'll vote for yours, like within each district, you know. And, you know, I'm district, not going to say everything. I'm so spread out. I mean, like, you know. You guys, we can have that conversation off the air if you'd like. I'm not going to have that conversation on the air because, like I said, as president, true, privy to a lot of information. But um, if you looked at all the ballots, you did see, you know, there were several coaches I felt like did a really good job and they were very fair because you're not allowed to vote for your own player. And I thought that coaches did a really good job. But there were several coaches that you look at their ballots and, you walk away kind of going, oh, you know, <laughs> then you go look, then you go look at the, the, like the results and the coach that voted one person really, really high, that kid may have scored four points against him. And, you know, like, and I know one game is not a culmination for all region, like their whole season embodiment of their work is taken into consideration. But sometimes as a coach, all you know is what they do against you. And I was just curious, you know, I know you vote for a lot of the all-state, you know, teams, and you submit your ballot every week for teams. And, you know, I know you do the all-state players at the end of the year, and I know you also have a hand in, you know, last few years with the 10th region. But I was just curious of, you know, when you're looking at a player, what qualifications, you know, and winning is a good one. Yeah, for sure. I like that answer. I think that's just takes priority over a lot of things. But I just, you know, I hope the people out there listening know that, you know, you you ask a hundred different people to cast their vote for the top ten players in the tenth region this year, and you're gonna have a hundred different ballots because mm-hmm. a lot of people value things differently. Yeah. So. Hundred percent. You got anything big this week that's going on, or any tenth region teams you get to cover this week? Um, I, I'm possibly going to the Campbell and Brossard Friday night district tilt. So that, well, that would probably be the one that I would be at. Um, I got to uh, tell you what, Tuesday night's exciting. Cause I got Jacob Meyer versus seven Ipsaro, Holy Cross versus Covecast. And, you know, that's... I don't think the game will be close as far as a score standpoint. I could be wrong, but there's two of the more, uh, explosive dynamic guards in the state going at each other. So. Yeah, and I think what's cool is, you know, Upsara has already signed with Miami of Ohio, and Meyer has an offer there, so it makes me wonder if they would end up going to play hmm. together. Uh, Meyer's got ten offers, but, you know, Miami of Ohio is one of them. So, Well, you heard it here, folks. Evan <laughs> Dennison may have just uh, get, given you something to follow, Yeah, see if those two guys end up playing together. But, uh, you know, we got St. Henry on Friday, so if you uh, decide not to cover the uh, – Brossert Campbell boys, you can come down to the Pendleton County uh, Memorial Gymnasium for the St. Henry Pendleton County girls. Um, but no, I actually wanted to get. I actually wanted to go to the Brossert Campbell game, but I didn't realize we played on the same day. But I checked and we do. So then we go to Scott on Saturday. So nice win over Brossert, by the way. Thanks, I appreciate it. It was, was the last time Pendleton County's beat them. I honestly, I don't know, but like um, I know we first time we were. Was it? Yeah. I know it was the first time in 20 plus years they were three and oh, and I think we're five and oh now, and we were, I think, four and one, and 
maybe 2000 something or another. They were four and one also. So, um, we got Mason got County a, tomorrow. That'll be a good yeah, test got a for big us. Week, man, four four games or three games. Mason County tomorrow. Mason County, St. Henry, and Scott, all three, pretty solid, man. Um, I ranked you four in the in the top ten girls, by the way, for top number four. four? Yeah. How many? How many? Clark, no. Malcolm, Paris, and then you all. You're putting three 40th region teams or 40th district teams? No, oh, it's by far the best district. They may be, but just because they're the best district don't mean they get three out of the, the top three teams in the region. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I'm going to remind – hey, send me an email saying that so I can put it up in our locker room. We got Paris coming up not too long from now. Oh, well, maybe it's after Christmas. but Yeah, now, January 18th looks like you got Paris. I'll be honest with you. Um, they were the first – when I had to send in my rankings, that were my top three as well. Um, but Montgomery County, man, the way they're playing right now, of course, I know there's a big gap between Clark and Montgomery, but I think Mag Montgomery is separating that gap between the two and three right now. I mean, they beat Brossard 30-plus this week. Um, of course, it was at Montgomery, and then they beat Dixie Heights yesterday in the ninth, tenth challenge. And, you know, you know what kind of players Montgomery has, and I think they're all yeah, still they barely young. Giving I think Paris is still close, though. They they, need, they needed a last-second shot to beat Paris. That's true. This year they did. Coach Beeks does a good job at Paris. You know, I don't want to turn this into a girls' podcast because right. being a girls' coach, I don't want to sound, you know, awful biased towards my own team because I'm going to. I think we're pretty good at times. But, um, but you know, I've told you for a couple of years now that Jamie Cowan's probably one of my favorite players to watch in the region just by how hard she works. So, um, but, um, well, man. Another good week. Uh, we'll uh, get back together next Sunday and maybe have a little bit more excitement to talk about. But uh, appreciate you coming on again, and we'll see everybody next week. Stay tuned and stay hot.